to your stepdad's favorite podcast, Cinelinguists. <laughs> I'm Jamie with my co-host Aiden. What's up, man? How's it going? It's going well. Uh, you know, s- switched roles. I'm in Southern California. You're in rainy Everett. Wow, I, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, we kind of did the whole north-south thing. Mm-hmm. You went south to the winter, which is the smarter move. Yeah, I mean... You know, there's probably part of you that was like, I missed the rain a little bit. And then you got back there and you're like, two weeks in, you're like, fuck, never mind. Yeah, you you forget that the rain comes with depression and seasonal affective disorder. Like, I remember people in SoCal would always be like, no, I would love to live in the Northwest. I love the Mm -hmm. rain. It's like, you love the rain when you get it like once or twice a year, but you don't know what it means to be be deprived. It's been raining here this last week and it was like the first time it has... And everyone was like, oh, I love the rain. It's so awesome. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then I remember when people from California would move up because they've been moving up to Seattle recently and be, and I've like moved in the summer and they've been like, I don't know what all the complaints are about. Like, this place is beautiful. I'm like, yeah. And then you see them after winter and they look like they've gone through like three tours in Iraq. And they're like, well, yeah, a little, little bit harder than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. It, just it's, malnourished. Exactly. It's, a, it's the Bane versus Batman thing you know yeah. we were born into it and then we know it's not no fucking game the motivation is it's a motivation killer like to want to get up and do things it's mm-hmm. like uh exercise anyway, yeah especially with covid yeah but speaking of depression we have three movies on today's episode that are particularly dark i think is the best way to categorize all of them each yeah, one the fucked up genre. Yeah, exactly. Hard to watch, not for everybody, you name it. Whatever similar phrase you can think of that fits that. That's how that's how I would categorize these movies. So I'll start Fair. off with saying, Aiden, I think this episode is going to have a lot of spoilers because the only way to really describe these films is to give all the details, wouldn't, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not, I mean, it's there's... not worth doing it without actually describing it yeah and the spoilers that are there are pretty early on you know all Mm -hmm. of them all the spoilers kind of set the movie into its path yeah so there's not like a big reveal exactly so if you're interested in watching these movies or if you haven't already and you want to watch them maybe skip this pod and listen to it after you finish it otherwise if you if you feel like you can't stomach or palate these types of films then hey you could just get it secondhand from, from it's us. all you good secondhand PTSD. more power to you it there i think we've been watching a lot of movies and so i don't know i've just if a movie's good since i've been young i've wanted to watch it so no matter how like i went through the like oh my god this is so fucked up this movie when i was like 13 mm-hmm. and so now it doesn't really you know i can watch pretty much whatever i mean there's obviously like a, a top tier of like these movies are, should not be watched, but I haven't really touched those, but these ones didn't affect me that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the casual viewer, it might churn your stomach quite a bit. Yeah. It's at least worth mentioning. And yeah. I'll say only one of these movies really kind of affected me. I'll go into it when we get to it, but I was, all, I was also a couple edibles deep. Wasn't really expecting <laughs> too much <laughs> from the movie. And yeah. I... <laughs> the, the preview did not reference the, Anyway, we'll get into that movie. Yeah, so a a quick roadmap. We are covering Super Dark Times 2017 
And yeah. after that, the house that Jack built, 2018. And we will finish off with The Nightingale, also from 2018. So all these movies within about a year apart. Yeah, definitely recent. Not sure um, how that worked, but yeah. So we, we decided to do this episode because we were watching The Nightingale for another episode. And I just couldn't believe yeah, it was- how... It was Maybe suggested it was? by our man Chris Stuckman, which mm-hmm. he, he gets you know movie suggestions pretty on point, but mm-hmm. he did not you know issue a warning of how brutal it was. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, okay, hey, we can't do that and also uh, review Soul, the Disney movie, <laughs> side <Yeah>. by side. <laughs> yeah, that just wasn't going. To Holy work. shit! So instead, we yeah. paired it with Super Dark Times, which I believe is a favorite of yours. Oh yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this movie for mm-hmm. sure. And then the house that Jack built, which immediately is now like one of my favorites from 2018, and I watched it yeah, twice. If... I was so into. It. I rented it again. You watched it <laughs> twice, Jesus yeah, so Christ! I spent eight bucks on that movie. If you're if you're studying psychology or anything like that, uh, yeah, this movie might be uh, give you a nice little boner. Yeah, exactly. guy or girl, guy or girl, yeah. you'll get a boner. Okay, so let's jump into Super Dark Times. I have seen this movie once, watched it for the first time a few weeks ago, and you've seen it more than me. This thing does a lot of a lot of there's a lot of special aspects yeah. to this movie, but what what's it about? Um, Super Dark Times is kind of a I would say like an in, uh, a psychological thriller, definitely, and it's more independent because it's definitely. you know it doesn't fall under your kind of general thriller themes. The shots are pretty unique and the music choices are, are not super conventional. Um, and it's just about a group of friends that experience a traumatic event that they're directly involved in very early on, uh, you know, as sophomores, basically not even maybe like freshmen beginning of high school. One of them's late middle school. Um, they all bond through this traumatic event and they're all great friends. And, uh, it just becomes this kind of sort of guilt-ridden movie of they have this uh well they I mean we might as well spoil it they there's an accidental death of someone mm-hmm. they like start fucking around with their uh uh one of the main characters Josh his brother has a katana in his room and so they're just fucking around with it kind of playing fruit ninja almost before that was a thing mm-hmm. and um they uh someone ends up getting stabbed and they don't know what to do. And so they kind of try to hide it because they're like, we just accidentally killed one of our friends. And so they bond over that event, but then also just start to crumble and, um, takes place in upstate New York and it's supposed to be set in 1996. Yeah. Definitely in the nineties. Yeah. So there's definitely an older vibe, but it's man, it's so, if you just grew up as a, a young lad Mm -hmm. in the U S from the 90s to early 2000s pre pretty much pre cell phone era it's super relatable like they they nail the characters and their different personalities they they get a lot of things correct i feel like they really the director's pretty young kevin phillips so i think he kind of experienced that childhood but i mean before the the accidental manslaughter right but uh if yeah. you've ever been out with your friends and you're doing something you're not supposed to do, but you're having fun because it's the thrill of it and something went mm-hmm. wrong, like maybe somebody like twisted an ankle, started crying or broke an arm or you broke like, 
you know, your something in your your mom's backyard. Yeah, or like feel guilty about it. Caught caught stealing candy or something uh from a store. Right, and the guy's like, "Oh, we're gonna tell your parents." And that feeling of guilt you get in that moment when your stomach just flips. Yeah, amplify that times like (laughs) one hundred thousand because it was the death of of one of their of your friends. Friends, and so the character Daryl. Uh huh. So they make that decision. Do you tell or do you cover it up? 100% should have told. Immediately. Um, They should have told immediately. But, I mean, you're a kid and you're afraid. And it makes sense that they don't because they're like, this was unintentional. So they got into a fight and the katana was involved, but it wasn't used to try and kill someone. Someone just had it in their hand. And then there was like a wrestling match and it accidentally stabbed the character. Yeah, like a million dollar baby type of encounter where it like yeah. just so happened to like accidentally lunge into this kid's chest and then he bled out and died. Accident, but yeah, you want to tell someone immediately because you're young and mm-hmm. the police will probably take it a little bit easier on you and it's very serious. But they, I mean, to make a movie a movie, they took kind of the worst decision and try to hide it from each other and then try to basically go through the rest of their high school you know normal day-to-day like there's a love story that unfolds between um josh and or yeah sorry zach zach and uh allison who's like his love interest and she's like finally showing interest in him while he's going through this like kind of mental break of like i saw my friend kill my other friend accidentally but now i have that on my mind but then also ironically at the same time this girl who i've had a crush on for a while now likes me and like is interested in me but now i'm like too mentally distant to like engage it's just like a whole thing he's it's very anxiety ridden movie you can feel like it's very tangible anxiety that you see on screen yeah it's it's a got some vibes like an ari aster film a little bit mm-hmm. they, they did a very good job at using this slow realism buildup, which gives more credit to the age group too he actually that was one thing aiden you and i talked about offline weeks ago that this movie did really well was it actually made teenagers seem like real teenagers like yeah i got it got the level of maturity right instead of just being 100 gr- group of like horny idiots Basically, that a lot yeah, of no, Hollywood was... will depict them as, and a, a lot more to them. It, it made and, it um... made that defining moment that much more impactful because you're you're kind of laughing and joking with them. You want to see what's next, so it helped the engagement, which I think is really yeah. important if you're going to try and deliver something as intense as a kid accidentally accidentally getting stabbed by a katana. Yeah, especially if you're a young a young man. I mean. It's tough to say. I'm not saying this movie's marketed to to young guys or people that have had like friendships like that when you're in like middle school or high school, but it's so easy to relate to. So when the freak event happens, you are just you feel like you're part of their friend group. Like you're like, oh, I've been in this scenario a million times. You know, they're going to the their corner store or Seven Eleven, whatever, getting food, eating, you know, drinking soda, f- fucking going to a park, doing. Pretty much doing nothing, but it's like the greatest time in your life. And then just this like freak accident happens and it throws you for a loop as the viewer and as it does for them. It's just like, okay, shit. Yeah, especially 
they did a good job at choosing which characters to be yeah. involved in it. The kid, the casting was great. The casting was so good. The kid that gets stabbed, Daryl, was hyper obnoxious, overweight, oh, always speaking out of turn, always saying, you know, the kind of unruly. Don't, don't be a pussy. Yeah. Oh, this fucking oh. guy. What are we, a bunch of gays? You know, just yeah. super irreverent, trying uh-huh. to show off to be, you know, mm-hmm. more masculine or just be accepted, but it's just overdoing it, trying too hard. And importantly, somebody who is hard to miss. So with him being like stabbed and killed, like that's not going to, he's not Go a quiet unnoticed. character. Yeah, yeah, he's very noticeably uh, gone. <laughs> and the rest of the characters are so well developed by that point and it, it, dri- yeah. it really drives that moment through like ironically the the most mature character is the youngest one the eighth grader charlie he was like hey you know, you guys are all losing your shit i'm trying to handle this uh mm-hmm. go back to your normal day-to-day lives and but is that mature though because I mean, it's mature for that age in some senses, but he is also just like immediately decided, okay, everybody repress, 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 hide, tell nobody. Yeah. I mean, once they made the decision that, Hey, we're not telling people he com- he committed. True. Like, and okay, that wasn't yep. his decision. Yeah. Um, he, so he stuck with it. that's a good point. Um, but yeah, I mean, the major thing to talk about is Josh's like D evolution, like his, his like spin into psychosis pretty much. And, and Zach, um, and Zach, his best friend we watch him try to grapple with it he's like yeah so zach has happening to my best friend who zach has a very realistic reaction to the events i mean he didn't kill the guy unintentionally but he was there and he's kind of uh associated with the crime Mm um i don't even know if you would call it a crime because if they would have reported it they would have been like fuck it's a freak accident yeah maybe parents will want to press charges or something but like you can't Anyway, that's another yeah. conversation. But no, to have. Uh, Zach, played by Owen Campbell, um, was, in my opinion, the best performance of this film with a, a, quite a few really solid ones. He was so yeah. good for those reasons you were just saying. Yeah, him and Josh were both great, but yeah, Zach was had the most camera time and mm. just embodied guilt and anxiety and just like racing thoughts and discomfort. Yeah, um, Zach and Josh played their characters eerily well to, to the point where I I was starting to wonder like um, how did they coach them? You know, I don't know because Josh. I just recently watched an interview of his character and he was pretty awkward. He hmm. was like a little uncomfortable, and I was like, oh, okay, so maybe he's just the real life version. He just hasn't killed anyone yet. Yeah, he was just so naturally uncomfortable on camera. And he just was... looked the part so much, too. Yeah, and just so happened to also be able to get his lines out without being too nervous. Sometimes that's all it takes. Yeah, I think to people people that would play Josh and Zach, there's so much potential to overdo it. And they were just subtle enough. You know, they were just like... I don't know. It was just so accurate to to how I would feel it would go in real life. Whereas other actors might get into it and try to act all crazy and go all Nick Cage on it. And they were they were very had a lot of discomfort, a lot of anxiety, but weren't overdoing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Josh's character pretty much 
not verbally like we just don't see he like stops going to school and is uh kind of detached and feeling sick or whatever and so zach's trying to to communicate with him to be like hey you need to act normal otherwise this is gonna be fucked we're all gonna get in trouble and so josh seemingly goes back to acting normal but zach is spooked and has a lot of suspicions and hears about someone else dying and is like and it pretty much just unravels at the end where where josh yeah fully loses it downs a like a just glass of milk in front of in front of two two girls that he's like you know creepiest actively... scene creepiest scene of the entire film is what Aiden yeah. just mentioned when this kid it's just so, pours himself so a pint subtle. glass full of milk and chugs it it's so, so quickly weird. and so gross it's so thick it was a good scene <laughs> it was a great scene i don't know how they thought to write that but like basically josh towards the end of the movie is going over to uh allison's house which is zach's girlfriend and allison has a friend with her and josh is like gonna be their weed guy because mm-hmm. since since like he found his brother's weed in the beginning and so he's been mm-hmm. like selling it and gifting it or something yeah and so but he's like gone insane and so he brings a katana with him and it just it starts to unravel but we know us as viewers know that he's losing it and going insane and, and, and doing these things. And so it's like building up to the scene, but the girls don't know. So it just cuts to him. Just he asks for a glass of milk and then just downs it in, in one go. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? And <laughs> yeah. both the girls look at each other like what? And uh, so it's just <laughs> uh, this kid's drinking. milk. Yeah, they're like, he's crazy. Anyway, you got any weed? <laughs> yeah, um, they kind of the annoying thing they treated weed i know it was the 90s and whatnot they treated weed like a true narcotic like it yeah. was this fucking drug that's gonna ruin your life and shit it was a little over the top in my opinion i mean upstate new york in the 90s i don't i don't blame it when i was their age i thought weed was like gonna. You know, i know that's true yeah if you can compound that with like the uh conceptions kids have about marijuana but yeah. looking at it from the outside, it was hard for me to connect that. Yeah, well, it's tough. I, I feel that way, too, when I watch religious movies, because I'm, like, uh, maybe a little bit past that stage in my life. And so I'm like, how can how can I relate to this? But you have to True. think back to how you were. And, and I think it was pretty accurate. Yeah, um, I, I, I but, did my best. I'll say that. Do you have any um? Do you have any gripes about this movie? Should we move on to gripes a little bit? I do. First, let me say... If this were a YouTube video, it would be brick type beat because the emotional maturity they were able to capture reminded me a lot of brick. Yeah. You've seen that true. movie, right? Yep. J- uh, JLG. Just, yeah. JGL. Gordon love it. Yeah. Really good movie. Um, it's these, those two movies, brick and super dark times are a couple of the, the ones that admit in lady bird. Um, I wanted to say like quite have that seriousness to super it, dark but... times was was almost noir because it reminded me of right. Brick so much right right exactly so if you like brick I think you should definitely watch this movie because it's yeah it is up that alley um, so I'll, I'll put that out there before I say that also I want to say another pro about this movie um, the cinematography you you meant you yeah. briefly mentioned it Aiden the, the shots are insane Oh my god, they're so good. They they, they use these uh, vertical long shots that you actually don't mm-hmm. see that often. Usually those long shots are 
um, horizontal, especially when you're trying to capture this type of anxiety in an environment like Ari Aster yeah. uses like crazy, almost panoramic mm-hmm. long shots. But they did these vertical ones from the beginning of the their street all the way up into the horizon. And they did like it them biking on times. that that biking that scene of all of them biking on the street with that shot is pretty iconic. It's really good. So I want to say that that was an an accomplishment. In the and then it's like accompanied by this weird, this weird kind of synth. Um, yes. You know, the, like the eerie music almost. It's almost like yeah. this. You thought this movie was like shot during Halloween or something. Right. So that the whole and this is all helps settle us in, engages us in the first half. Mm-hmm. And it holds the tension really, really well. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, I'm going to have to side with the, you know, if you go up and look at reviews for this movie, you're, you're going to hear my, my take that's about to come. Okay. It at some point just makes this decision and becomes another slasher movie. There is zero transition to justify all of these psychotic actions that josh makes the kid that accidentally stabbed his friend he suddenly Mm -hmm. goes on this like murder rampage and they did not take any time kills this random drug dealer who insulted him earlier in the movie john like throws him off a a bridge and then the principal Mm -hmm. addresses it on the intercom to the entire high school he's like i know there's been some rumors going around about the uh so-and-so that you know was found in the river but i just want to say that nothing's conclusive like would that ever happen they would openly talk about like a missing kid on the intercom like that that's no. insane they would hold like an assembly or something right like oh my god that and uh the movie got rolling into this really ridiculous place and i was so disappointed because of how well they built up all that engagement like i was saying before and that yeah. that held it back quite a bit for me and i'll just leave it you there. you did wonder like how josh got to the place that he did yeah just like you know in a taxi driver they give us the process the process of how the mind works how the mind got from a to b from good best friend with trusted reliable behavior to psychopath with unpredictable actions yeah, to be fair, the the runtime for this movie was only uh, uh, hour forty three minutes, which yeah. you know you and I go on all the time about how that's an accomplishment in itself, mm-hmm. and I I do appreciate that, but I mean honestly, this movie was good up until that point. Give give me that extra fifteen minutes of to kind of show where Josh's mind is at. Yeah, yeah. Give me that fifteen minutes of psychopath development. And I will mm. gladly watch two hours of this. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah, you're not wrong. You know, I didn't really think about it just because I get so caught up in the n- nostalgia no, and the kind of high school love guy. story. I was I was too in it for me to be like, nah, it's bad. But yeah, you don't really know. There's no explanation of how Josh got to that point. And it's, you know, even if, say, he, he becomes schizophrenic at the end and goes into this psychosis your first thought isn't he's going to try and kill people. You know, you just think like maybe he's going to act really weird, be creepy. I don't know. 
you, you don't think he's going to go directly to, all right, I'm going to start killing more people because I accidentally killed this kid. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your so it is a little strange. Anything outside of what I said? No, no. I think this movie is awesome. I, I, don't have, <laughs> I don't have any. Uh, I think the main character, uh, Owen Campbell, killed it. I think the guy that played oh, Josh, so Charlie Tahan, also killed it. Um, they just like, you just know those, like, mm-hmm. minus the, the, the mental breakdowns, like those characters and the Daryl character, you just, you've seen that person before. You've had a friend like that in middle school or high school. And you're like, it's like, I haven't seen someone do kind of a youth mm-hmm. movie that well. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, it, this is a movie I would love to own the script for and, yeah. and, and read through that uh, area that I had the biggest qualm with, um, the kind of turning for- point. Yeah, and see maybe if there was like stage direction. That yeah, because yeah. the director did not write it. Kevin Phillips directed it, and then these two guys, Ben Collins and Luke uh, Piotrowski, wrote mm-hmm. it. So I'd like to see the difference between the two, and maybe maybe it's it's somewhere in the writing because you and I both know that that disconnect can happen. Yeah, definitely the writer's interpretation to the director's interpretation and the director always has final say. So, um, yeah, I have, I have zero qualms about the movie hey, besides that point that you made. I think that's the beauty of these films. Everybody's got their own perspective, their, their favorite movies. Yeah. So why don't we move on to, to final score? Do you want to go? Yeah, you you might not like mine. I really don't think this is even a safe bet seven because of how how much it, it lost. What me. the fuck? No it, way. Yeah, this this is gonna be a six point five for me. Get out of here. <laughs> you know what though? It's also about time that we truly differed on one. I feel like we yeah. have been within point five for the last like thirty movies. Yeah, that's fair. So listen, this was so original except maybe for brick is the most similar thing, which is definitely completely, completely different. Um, I'd be interested to see if, if the writers or the director director said that was a part of like an inspiration. It's just not fine tuned enough for me to get it e- even into the seven mark. Okay. Say, say you get that extra 15 minutes where they explain kind of, oh, this is an eight. This, this is an eight easy. Okay. That's how bi- that's right. but that's how big of a problem it was for me. If there's okay. no justification and all we have to go is is off what's in in front of us, there wasn't even enough little cues. The only the only thing we got, Aiden, was when uh, Zach goes to visit Josh at his mm-hmm. mom's house, and he's just kind of sitting there, TV's on, yeah. he's looking at the ground, he's talking to himself. Give me ten mo- ten more minutes of that scene, and that yeah. would have helped. Yeah, or like a another. He tries to visit again, or they hang out one time, and he's just like, "Okay, he's really off. Something's off." Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. That takes this movie into into a, a, another level. But you're able to look past that. So, what's your what's your take? Mine's a mine's a flat eight. Mine's a, a great fucking movie. Okay. I mean, I've seen it three times in the last. I mean, the first time I saw it, we were living in Huntington Beach. So, in the last two years, I've seen it three times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suggest it to people. I'm like, this is. Like it's like I said, it's a fucked up movie, kind of. So I did suggest it to a friend, and like I watched it with her, and then like her roommate, who I didn't know was going to be there, and then her roommate brought a friend, and they were all kind of 
a little scarred. They're like, this is a lot more intense than I thought we were going to do for movie night. And I was like, oh, that movie's so great. And they're like, um, um, yeah, we need to go home now. Yeah, they're like, uh, Sienna, your friend's weird. And I was just <laughs> like, all right, you can't handle the truth. Um, Chug's milk. So, yeah, it was just fucking, it was so, I don't know. I love the movie. The the Yeah, the only qualm was what you said. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't affect it as much for me. I think if they if they would have had that, I would be it, the movie would be approaching a nine for me probably. Yeah, but I think I also get when something strikes the nostalgia chord, you know, I get all flustered and I'm ready to just jump ship. You so. do, and and they did it better than almost anybody I've seen, and I think that's yeah, well, because there's all these you know, thirteen reasons why, and all these popular oh high my school. God. And, oh fucking and, and euphoria euphoria jesus and like if, if they're euphoria just took 10 percent of of this movie that it would be such a better show yeah and it just and like they're so popular but they're so unrealistic you're like that mm. ne- like that doesn't happen right like the things that these characters are saying and the the roles that they're playing that's not a real person like i haven't seen that mm-hmm. i don't think anyone's seen that mm-hmm. um but these people were subtle enough and they the way they reacted was so realistic and just the conversations the like day-to-day conversations were so realistic his relationship with his mom was super like i've i've had those conversations before his mom was you know maybe like more a bit more of the cool mom but still um anyway that's, that's so i'm super at super dark times i'm it at is- a solid eight for Super dark times. And I got a 6.5. That 1.5 difference is the most we've had on this podcast to date, believe it or not. And Before, only when up? Thel was here, was it? When Thel was here, oh, had, yeah. I think we had a disagreement. Yeah, we, we had a, a few more. But it, that's the beauty of perspective. People can see two, two different things out of the same piece of artwork. And speaking of artwork, our next movie, The House That Jack Built, is about Jack, a highly intelligent serial killer who, over the course of about 12 years, um, depicts the murders that really developed his inner madman. And the murders are split into five incidents, as they call them, quote-unquote incidents. So this movie is divided up uh, between those and then it has an epilogue at the end and like we said this came out in 2018 this is written and directed by Lars von Trier who is a um, Danish Very madman in, in himself yeah he's a crazy person and this stars uh, Matt Dillon Bruno Gans, Uma Thurman a few others but Uma and the others are really only in it for maybe like 15 minutes yeah this this is pretty much about matt dylan well no not his life but like he's the he's the focal point yeah he gets the most uh screen time but just start off with screen time to start off with a quote the soul belongs to heaven and the body to hell that's what jack says and this is only the second film i've seen of trier i think you too right yeah melancholia was the one before and he actually, he intercuts when when Jack's talking about how mm-hmm. fickle life is. He mm-hmm. intercuts melancholia into it. it's kind of crazy. He does, and you could tell he has his other movies in there too. Did you notice that? Because he's got uh, you. You see Willem Dafoe, and yeah, we got to watch that. Name. Oh yeah, ASAP. Um, um, 
yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, Lars has a uh, fuck tattooed on his knuckles. I, I just noticed. Um, but both of those movies have been like some of the most completely original and rather odd films I've ever seen. And I've only seen pretty them. depressing. Oh yeah. Also definitely. like he has fuck on his knuckles. What a hipster, man. What an OG hipster. Yeah. Danish hipster who got crazy flagged and borderline canceled in 2011 and that press conference for, um, melancholia where he's, he he found out that his like ancestry is actually german and he thought he was jewish and he was like i know what it's like uh i know what hitler feels like now i guess i'm a bad jew and so people were like oh you jesus fucking anti-semite yeah but he was just i mean let's not hold with dry humor yeah let's not hold directors accountable they're they're weird people that's immediately what kirsten dunce and stellan skarsgård were like okay this dude is just a fucking weirdo. Please don't look into this. Yeah, um, like, watch his fucking filmography, and you're gonna be like, this guy. I don't know if he's talked to a therapist yet, but yeah. he's like, he's you know, patient number one. Yeah, and you're gonna be like, okay, that Hitler shit is probably the like most normal thing he's ever said. Yeah, we're really just scratching the surface. Uh huh. So this is his most recent film, and the dialogue reminded me of Melancholia like immediately because he wrote this shit too, and. It's pretty strange. Like some definitely of sh- a lot of silence. A lot of silence. A lot of like odd uh, sentence structures, mm-hmm. and then like you said, it's got clips uh, from his other films. But I like that it was divided into five incidents. It kind of helped piece together the strangeness that is Jack. What did you think of that structure? Um, I think it plays into the the. It just sets up a movie so well for a serial killer because mm-hmm. they're like, all right, incident one, incident two, he kills these people. And, you know, so it's just like it kind of got me excited because I was like, all right, every time there's a new incident, new action. Not mm-hmm. that I want to see people die, but it's like something engaging. Right. And it- so I think that that was a like you can't go wrong with like sort of a chapter thing to develop a serial killer. I also had no idea it was over 12 years. I just figured it was like three to five. Um, so the fact that it's over 12 years, yeah, the incident part is even better. Yeah. The first two incidents, you can tell he's way newer to the game. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about Uma Thurman. She like sort of had a kink for serial killers. Yeah. She was obnoxious and was kind of like playing. You can tell she, the character she was playing was very extroverted, expressed her anxiety outwardly so she was yeah very neurotic yeah so jack what are you gonna what are you gonna kill me i might mm-hmm. get off to it and you're like all right dude fuck what happened to i liked you better and kill bill yeah i mean she did a good job though as far as like borderline giving matt Dill- uh, jack a reason to murder oh her. yeah no i i mean i'm not a serial killer by any standpoint but she wouldn't shut up mm-hmm. and so finally took that that jack and was like all right and i think that was a clever way to open it up because you're like because lars kind of wants you to uh to get jack's point of view as much as possible of course he knows you'll deviate eventually but he wants you to to, to lean in as much as he can get i mean throughout the whole movie jack presents an argument for himself for what he mm-hmm. does what he does mm-hmm. so, so like it's tough to definitely tough to i mean no but i mean by like Incident three, I'm like, all right, this guy is yeah. fucked. 
Yeah, but so, Incident ahead. Three was the the family, right? Yeah. So that one is the oh the God. only of the five <laughs> that I thought was like truly fucked up because a lot of people reviewed if you look at the reviews for the house that jack built there's a lot mm-hmm. of like why would you put this in a movie this is so horrific like you're just doing it to get like for shock value you just think that this is fucked up to fuck with people but it's really I mean, only it the is. third incident that's fucked yeah i mean it is but like this is a thing that's existed you know these people these serial killers so it's to me i mean why not one it's like a great a great topic to where you're gonna get a lot of viewers because i mean think about all the shit on netflix recently the last year and a half it's been everything's been like how to make a murder it's everything serial killer involves you know they got the new one night stalker i mean like Mm -hmm. this is what people are interested in it not to say that that's a good or bad thing but it's just like the psychology of how people become the way they become and it's like a horror story come to life in real time so it's I don't know. And I, I think, think those Lars people, did it better than anybody. Yeah, really. no, you you get into the head. Uh, it Lars's was less about the actions and more about like Jack's, um, mm. just like mental. Like he has OCD. That part was I thought that part was so funny. Oh like, when yeah, when he keeps so he, going back into the house, he's uh-huh. like, "Fuck." Yeah. So he what if I murder. what if I splash blood under the picture? Uh-huh. Yeah, he commits murder, and then he goes to leave, and he's like, fuck, oh, I, I didn't check under the rug. Goes and checks under the rug, there's no Cleans the shit out of the place first uh, time around, but right. in his mind is like, nah. Yeah, yeah, and, and so the transitions in between the incidents and murders it involves like a really blunt conversation between Jack and who seems to be a therapist, psychologist of sorts. Or um, just like so a you, figment of his imagination. Yeah, so you're like, voice. okay... Yeah, so you're like, okay, maybe at the end of the movie he's in prison and they have this like psychoanalysis or something like that with yeah. this guy named Burge. And the chemistry between Jack and Burge is superb. The guy that yeah. plays Burge, uh, Bruno Gans, kind of does his best sort of uh, Anthony Hopkins, and, yeah, you know, kind of type type of role. And he's like weirdly understanding, but still. Um condemns jack when it's just like straight up you have no argument here you're just killing people right so the whole time they're kind of arguing over whether or not death and destruction can be seen as a form of art and jack firmly believes that it that it is artwork and that's what he that's what he's doing his like serial killing and whatnot is like one of the higher forms of artwork so he likes to say things like there's a huge theme is the negatives of photography you Mm -hmm. can find the dark light in photography which is another Mm -hmm. form of art he says and that's sort of like what death is death is is that form of art in compared to love and verge is insistent that art can't exist without love so there's an interesting uh, philosophical back and forth without the the movie which i i really enjoyed yeah it was tough because I also liked it, but then I also was just like, I don't know. It was hard for me not to see Jack as just a serial killer, that that's his addiction. You know, it's not like an art thing. You know how he talks about, he he does this this sort of euphemism or analogy of like, you walk past a lamppost and that's when you're like thirstiest for this this new murder. And then it once you walk 
past that lamppost, it covers you for a while until the light's not shining on you anymore. And then you start to thirst for another murder. And then once you get to the second lamppost, that's when the second murder happens. And then that Mm -hmm. continues forever and forever. And and that conversation right there showed me that it's not really about art. It's just like he's addicted to this thing. That's a good point because it's showing that like he was admitting that this is in his behavior. And no matter how satisfying that initial kill was, the gratification wears off and the pain of needing to do it again comes back. But Aiden, you could also say that that's how, like, you know, a very uh, neurotic and artistic sculptor feels like, yep, I just painted, I just like sculpted this masterpiece and I got a lot of praise for it, but now it's gone and those feelings are are fleeting. And the only way to combat with those fleeting feelings are to start on another piece. Yeah, I guess it's like, there's those people that have, like, there's no way around it they have to do art somehow because there's this thought in their head and if they can't if they can't get it out it could kind of drive them crazy or make them feel guilty for not getting it out it's a good point i mean but his is just with murder right so it's like a little i don't know that that scene to me i was like okay so this is just a this is just like a desire that he can't fight but i didn't think about artists probably like it's probably almost for some just so anxiety inducing not to get these these project out right so it just sort of depends on how, how you want to interpret it at that point but i do want to say this movie is there's a comedy aspect to it that was on purpose i think mm-hmm. from what i've read lars focused on the absurdist point of view of life he didn't mean it for it to be truly nihilistic but just the fact that you could be going about your day and living whatever moral code you want to live and just come across some some highly intelligent serial killer and that person just ends it all for you. And he said that he thinks that we're in the era of the Rat King, at least when he made this, and he was referring to Donald Trump being elected to office because it's, it's absurd that somebody with a personality like Trump who has all of these poisonous attributes is able to garner the, yeah, the affect and the, the, you know, the votes of an entire country. And you actually see it in, in some, and Matt Dillon did confirm that in an interview and you can kind of recognize it with his word babble when he'll like, uh, there's some of my favorite scenes are when uh, Jack goes to, that woman's house in the second incident that that is the most <laughs> i know my gen z is gonna love this oh my was god the most chaotic scene it was i have so ever chaotic. seen i was it, like where where is this going like there there's no pattern he's just on the fly he he's a policeman he's a detective he's a insurance agent and she's just being battered down until he mentions money it's mm-hmm. that seems crazy it's dude. a true michael scott donald trump uh, conversation where you start out with saying a subject and you have no idea where it's going to go. But <laughs> he had no idea. Sentence. It was, I was so uncomfortable for the majority yeah. of that intro. I was like, what the fuck? It was so beautifully done. And she's like, well, I'm not going to let you in because you, you don't have your police badge. And he's like, you're right. And that's the, that's the correct answer. <laughs> and, and for me personally, it's a good thing. It's a good thing that I don't have my badge. 
because this is what we it, want. It's it's at the silversmith. It's being shined, so that's good for me personally. And she's like, <laughs> okay, like, what? The Why fact that that works. The fact that she doesn't just. Sh- All right, and he's like, I well, need- I can I can double your pension. And she's like, what? She's like, I'm not a cop. I'm an insurance agent, lady. <laughs> How did you not know that? He's so fucking crazy in this movie. It's <laughs> yeah. insane. Matt Dillon is fucking chilling, but interesting, clever, comical. Man, this is a true display of acting talent. This this whole room needs to be investigated. Like <laughs> yeah, when the cop's in there yeah, and he's yeah. just screaming at the With cop. A that magnifying he's in. glass. He's, he's like living out like it seems like he's trying to tell the cop that they need to scrub it cleaner than he could do it because it's going to ruin his OCD <laughs> if mm-hmm. it's not done. So he's like with a magnifying glass and he's like, you know, you're telling me to leave, but I feel like I could I could help here, you know, and you're like, mm-hmm. this guy is fucking nuts. That conversation keep- alone is worth it. If you don't want the traumatic shit in this movie, just watch the first two incidents they're really yeah, not bad at all. Incident two, by far, was the most just bewildering. Like, holy fuck! It's this fucking, guy is crazy. It's hilarious. And the and then it also the, my second favorite uh, part of the film was that when the guy was like, "Look, I served in the army, and that's not a full metal jacket." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Fuck!" That was a really good detail. I thought that. Yeah, was and that he goes in, and he's like, "Look, I've never been mad at you." And oh man, yeah, so I, funny. That that was a really clever way for Lars to have uh, to Jack. show that he wants to be like a true artist too. It's yes, like, it's gotta yeah. be full metal. It, it, exactly, it, it accomplished so many things at once by doing that. It showed he was a true artist. Showed he wanted to do it right. It also gave the opportunity for him to run into SP. Uh, get the get the right bullets. Get the robe, which then signified the the red Dante's Inferno aspect mm-hmm. that he carried on with him to the through the epilogue. That was a really well done. Like say what you want about the traumatic shit, Lars is a fucking masterclass director in my opinion. Yeah, there was a plan all along. Yeah, I think yeah, he, dude. he's as good as it gets, man. Yeah, I mean, I I loved Melancholia, and I like this movie a lot too. It's hard to for me to to tell someone like, hey, I, you know what movie I love? You got to watch this because <laughs> they're gonna yeah, be like, holy that's the other shit! Thing. I'm like, okay, I I enjoyed this movie so much more than I expected. Does that make me a psychopath? It, but I mean, it just shows that, that Lars von Trier did a good job of like making him relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a bunch but, of people like. Um, Am I am I a psychopath because I wanted to see whether or not his experiment at the end would work? Yeah, no, I was so hoping <laughs> that he was going to kill them. Yeah, Dude, so I was I was just like, once well, he got it, back there it, with the one. It. So the scene is he. So by this time, I didn't know this was over a twelve year period, but he has he rented a no, he bought a freezer from someone because he invested in pizzas or something, and it just went south. So he just had this disposable freezer that's is where he takes the bodies of the people that he kills to hide them. Cause he's the only one allowed in and it's like in, in this alleyway and like, you just wouldn't really suspect anything. And he cools all the bodies and freezes them into positions that he likes weird shit, but he collects like 
I don't know, it looks like seven or eight people and puts oh, them at the, all at the minimum. Yeah. Puts well no, so the, all the bodies that he has is like sixty. But oh, yeah. the 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 live people that he's for his last Oh the live people, yeah. Are there's like seven or eight and they're all on this like banister. Kind of like the thing you would have when you're painting something that's like singular and you have to prop it up on two like little a bike banisters. Rack. Yeah, like a okay, yeah, like a bike rack. Perfect. And so their heads are on either side to the point where all their heads are in line with each other, but they're crossing. Mm-hmm. So it's like one person's here, and then on the other side, there's another person, but their heads are in line with each other. And they're like, and he has this gun, something. Yeah, he has this gun set up, this rifle, like on measured on their head, and he wants to see if a bullet can go through all eight people's heads because it's supposed to be powerful enough. And, uh, but he, he, I mean, spoiler alert, he doesn't end up getting to do it. Um, one, because he doesn't have a full metal jacket and it drives him fucking insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then he just like doesn't have time because the cops are busting in and he's distracted. Um, I didn't think he was going to get accomplished it just because it just seemed like he'd been doing so much killing that, of course, this is not going to happen. Yeah. And this right? was like the most humanized they seemed because they were just like pleading with him. Yeah. And if you, it, it was the most, uh, premeditated out of yeah. all of them and that wasn't really what we had been shown before like none of the super premeditated murders like actually contributed to his development so yeah you're, you're right i it, it didn't there was there wasn't really any expectation for him to go through with it yeah it was yeah i i don't know for some reason i was just like yeah he, he's not going to get to get this done if he if he can't get the full metal jacket like this whole thing's going to unravel um but uh, but you wanted him to, which was the crazy part. You're like, D- I mean, I wonder if a bullet goes through eight people's heads. <laughs> I mean, how crazy is that? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, this this movie, and then I mean, talking about the ending, all of a sudden it becomes Dante's Inferno, like the 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 epilogue, the epilogue. The person that he's been talking with this whole time, Verge, is short for Virgil, and he's his guide through hell, and um. But the Virgil's like kind of endearing and like, you know, Jack, I understand you. And I, you know, I, I, I put in a good word for you because you're sort of an artist. And we've been talking for so long that you're not going to go to the worst place in hell. You get like a few steps above. Mm-hmm. It's it's so it's just. The movie is so specific and then just like devolves into even more. Like, I don't even know how to explain it, because I remember thinking like. Man, is Virgil going to send him to the worst part of hell? I mean, I feel like they've been talking the whole movie and like are almost friends. And then Virgil's like, you know, I'm not going to send you to the worst part of hell. And I'm like, how? Why is that even a concept on Lars's mind? Like yeah. where in hell he's going to go? Why is this part even in the movie? <laughs> yeah. And then they, they sh- he shows him the worst part and he goes in anyway. Yeah. Because he wants to climb out, right? And keep murdering people. He's right. like, yeah, if you can get to the other side, you can get out. And then yeah. he can't. Yeah, so it's it's sort of like the the contempt and greed is like okay, yep, you're fucked. Yeah. Also, so another thing about the movie is I don't know if you noticed, but it was all in Europe. Like, if you notice the the apartments and like the but building it takes structures place in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, but the whole thing has to be shot in Europe. Yeah, it is. Country: Denmark, France, Germany, Sweden. 
I did see at the end that this was uh, at the end they had a in the, in the credits they had like an, a little blurb that said like this was a production of and it was like five yeah, so countries and I was really confused by that because it takes it, place in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, but none of it was filmed. Production began in Sweden in 2016. None of it was filmed in the U.S. Even though he was supposed to be, all the characters were were American. Because um, I remember, because because I feel like. I don't know. Maybe watching Skins or something, you see kind of the the architecture of kind of European, especially British, housing developments, and that scene where he's with the prostitute at his house. Um, I was like, yeah, that's not an American. That's building. a good that's, point because that's a different country. And so I looked it up, and all the filming locations, none of them were in the U.S. Yeah, I was I was looking around. I was like, the only thing that I could ever recognize about the because I kept trying to place it in the PNW, and I was like, the only thing I recognize are trees. There was yeah, no, there, there really wasn't any PNW so like signifiers. So um, I remember I looked it up on IMDb, and it said filming locations, and none of them were. In the, they were all in Europe, which okay. I find I'm wondering why he did that because it's not like he didn't have access to the u.s it was like a I conscious just, choice yeah maybe because he's more comfortable interacting with europeans yeah and his budget here on wikipedia is in euros not in dollars so yeah so maybe, maybe that was the production company i don't know and that also begs the question that we always ask is does that make this technically a foreign film i mean yeah i why wouldn't it the only thing non-foreign about it is the actors everything True. else is in the setting yeah i don't know man it it was a, it made you think so much it was just oh, like yeah constantly and he was so unpredictable mm-hmm. and he's fucking making wallets out of breasts <laughs> I, I that part was like that fucking crazy so when they just... fucked what did he say I, I i wouldn't i can't remember the name of uh uh that character it's played by riley keogh or whatever she's a great the actress. girl uh simple yeah i, could, I couldn't let uh an aspect of simple go to waste and he he cut basically he cut off this woman's uh, tits and he used one of them the skin as and a wallet turned, turned it into a wallet and it's disgusting. <laughs> oh, and you see it and it's fucking gross he and like it on the counter when he's leathered. Oh, it's so oh man, gross. And the guy fucking what's his name from uh, Rescue Don is the uh, is the gun clerk. Oh, Jeremy Davies. Yeah, he yeah. is from. I was like that guy's. Yeah, so he's in familiar. Rescue Don. He's in um uh saving private ryan he plays up him oh my god he's so good he's such a good actor i want i was hoping to see more of him but um yeah man that scene was the whole movie is just like i could never show this to my mom oh it's it's, <laughs> it's chill i would never show it to either, either of my parents like my yeah, mom like actually I couldn't... has a pretty good stomach for this stuff but it's like that third incident man you can, like that's not no. that's yeah. not easy to watch and then the house so the whole movie he's 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 just like an artist and wants to be an architect. He's an engineer. And so he's building a house throughout the movie and then keeps tearing it down and building it back up because he's such an you know tortured artist or whatever. And at the end of the house, he builds it out of all the bodies he's been storing. Mm-hmm. And it is pretty fucking disturbing. <laughs> so if, if you're at this point in the podcast and you're and you're still unclear whether or not you'd be able to stomach this movie, um, Hear ask, that. ask yourself this. Are you comfortable with seeing a seven to eight year old boy get taxidermed? If the oh, answer yeah. is no, don't watch Fuck. this movie. Yeah, like 
carving a smile onto his face yeah. and Be- oh, because man. you can tell that Lars did it as like an absurdist kind of like dark humor thing because it's it's yeah. kind of funny because he's like oh there's Georgie and he's like waving his hand with his like yeah. smile forced open <laughs> it's he's like I noticed that if before rigor mortis hits if I <laughs> yeah, manipulate right. the body into a certain way it'll form and so then he starts with fucking there and string and metal oh my god it's so fucking insane and you're like oh my god but then, like, you know, you just, if you, like you said, if you were to take that talk and put it towards, like, a painter who's like, I noticed that if I mix these colors at a certain mm-hmm. time, you mm-hmm. know, it's the same shit. And you're exactly. like, oh, this is weird. Why am I, like, relating to this guy? Yeah, exactly. One one comment on the PNW thing, because I didn't realize that fully like you did. I just knew that I was confused about the setting. But I was ready to say, like, oh, yeah, okay, confirmed. Aberdeen is hell on earth yeah dude i mean there's so many serial killers from the, it's that either it's, it's from there or spent time there lars kind of uh pointed a, a hole out into that uh kind of pacific northwest serial killer trope because he's like this wasn't actually shot in the northwest and i just used every stereotype you could think of yeah. you know about like um uh Dahmer and and all the other ones who, who passed just cold and emotionless people yeah exactly I don't know. So he kind of it, took it, all those stereotypes in. I didn't so. know that it was in the Northwest until you said it. And then I looked oh, yeah. at uh, the plot and it says that it is. But I thought I thought, it, I thought, it was in the U.S., but he just used Europe to kind of disorient you. Kind of like, because, you know, there were some scenes in Melancholia where you're like, okay, this is, something's not real here. Yeah. Like, there were a that, couple that things also, they said. That one also has like a planet about to collide with true, Earth. True, true. Um, there anyway. were some... Um, yeah, yeah we're, we're running kind of long, but S- SP, can we discuss him, where he came from? You said it made sense to you. So there's a character named SP that you don't see until the end, who's all of a sudden Jack's best friend, even though we've been watching Jack for 12 years and have not seen him. That would be, that's kind of my only qualm for the movie, is I just didn't, I didn't get it. Yeah. Like, where did he come from? Well, first of all, we're not watching Jack over 12 years that kind of insinuates that we're watching his life develop over 12 years no, we're watching the, sorry five the movies incidents in 12 years yeah quote unquote random even though i don't think they're entirely random obviously yeah um i so sp is this character that jack clearly has a transactional relationship with he uses him to acquire ammunition uh mainly and sp sp is very aware of what jack's doing yes very aware sp is a hunter and just gun fanatic himself and you can see when he Mm -hmm. goes to get that uh full metal jacket he's got a whole shelf full of ammunition so he's clearly a resource for jack and i think that was the main thing and sp himself is just an older guy that lives in a trailer in the middle of nowhere in in the forest and so when when by the time that jack goes there that is enough for Jack to do his like psychopath mani- manipulation tour. Yeah, through him, which I was been glad doing to see again. A while. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I just looked up. I was like, because I recognize SP, but I didn't know where he was from. And he plays Cotton in uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean. He's the guy who has his tongue cut out who doesn't. Oh talk yeah. The whole time. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's the only thing that I can I can you know place him in. And he has no lines in three movies. So, um, but yeah, that part to me was a little, cause we just had never heard about him or from him. Mm-hmm. And a big part of me, like I said, I thought that was 
verged. I thought like he had been since You're... SP knew about the murders. I thought he'd been going to his trailer, drinking with him, no. telling him about the murders, yeah, getting think, ammunition. I think, Jack, I think Jack got you a little bit. Like he's not Jack's. What Jack is saying is not true. None of that was actually real. The best friendship, all of that was was fake emotion. He was doing yeah. his, his fake learned smile. He was doing all of his learned bullshit behaviors to manipulate SP so that SP wouldn't shoot his head off. Okay, and real quick, did you ever get a vibe of maybe... Because you know how there's like you can't... Sometimes if, if the the narrator's crazy, he's like not reliable. Did you ever get a vibe of like when an American psycho, you realize that maybe none of this ever happened? Did you have that feeling ever or was that just American no, psycho I, rubbing I, off I, on me? I didn't, but I see the American psycho parallels. Like I watched this with uh, Brandon and Jaron and that, that was the main things they said, especially Brandon immediately. He was like, this is, this is American psycho, but better. And, yeah. but no, I, I didn't see that. Because I got that so strong in the end of American Psycho, that ending was was a lot more. It was uh, like deliberately like, hey, this didn't, this might not have happened at all. Yeah, that that one fucked with me as far as yeah, the reality goes a little bit more. Whereas this one, they went so out of control, like uh, into hell, Dante's Inferno, that I was able yeah. to separate it, and they had a better transition into it with him opening that back freezer. Did you see mm -hmm. how that freezer was labeled red? Oh no, I didn't. I'll yeah, have to rewatch so the, that. The, the freezer was red. The, his his robe was red. His, the jack that he killed Uma with was red. His van was red, and it's all this exact same uh, color color tone yeah of red. And I think it's all that that is all Jack. And so I think that that freezer symbolized his subconscious. And when he was finally able to open it, was at his death. The only way he could access his subconscious that had um emotion was when he was on was going to hell yeah okay that makes more sense i was a little part of me was like once we got into hell i was like okay is this guy just delusional crazy to the point where like this is maybe none of this existed i don't know but i think that was just me thinking about i think American the house Psycho. was i think the house of bodies was was not was real, not real. Mm -hmm. yeah because that was towards like verge was already there right exactly um okay so qualms qualms mine was just the sp one um which is fair it, it was it was much quicker a lot more rushed than the rest um and i mean besides that you could say like how is this guy getting away with this stuff would mm -hmm. be the other qualm definitely like without anyone noticing like he drags that girl's body behind <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny but that's part of that's part of the absurdist shit yeah that part was insane yeah he I puts was just his, like he ties his body basically like a chariot like a roman chariot to the back of his van and drags her all the way back to his freezer but then apparently sprays ammonia on the whole track you know like that that because well, the, there was the, the great her rain. blood trail led to his to the the freezer yeah but remember then the, the uh the scene stops and he says then came the great rain and oh the that's rain, right it, the rain right. and he's like I'm not a man of faith, typically, but the great rain came and I had nothing else to say but that it was a blessing. Damn, I can't believe you watched this with other people. Like I, I, well, <laughs> you, you know why I showed it to Brandon? He was Cause he's insane. Because he's insane, and he was like, you know, people don't realize that in destruction, 
there is art. And I was like, uh, <laughs> I've got a movie for you. <laughs> it was oh too my perfect. God. And yeah, he was obsessed with it too. So I was like, okay, we're, we're watching. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. In destruction, there's yeah, art. Right? Okay, so biggest qualm for me was the absurdity slash black humor aspects of it were often drowned um, most or, mo, mo, more so for other people, I assume. Mm-hmm. Um, those aspects were drowned by the realistic, horrific acts. You know? The, mm-hmm. the, like, the, the hunting family scene where he shoots two kids and their mom. Yeah, that scene's fucking It crazy. was so brutal that it way outweighed any sort of like absurdist uh, Rat King feelings you could get for it yeah so i feel like the movie didn't uh reach this this full circle absurdist thing because Mm. he wanted to like shock and disturb people but he also wanted to be like hey you know anything can happen (laughs) so uh, yeah i was i just felt like it it kind of was straddling that line too much but that's it yeah that's it from me what's your score um what is my score I might have to give this one a flat 8.02 because mm-hmm. my qualms aren't big enough to 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 like knock it down. Like the SP thing was not that crazy. Um, but that being said, this being a great fucking movie, it is not for everyone <laughs> at all. Like this is not a movie you can throw on at a party. This is like you have to kind of you're going to suggest it to someone you have to give them a warning and you have to let them know you know this is what it's about and uh you have to kind of know their personality and and prepare them for that but yeah 8.0 for me agreed especially for the third incident like we said if you're not okay with kids getting shot don't watch this fucking movie yeah i mean and he yeah they they don't shy away from any of the of the the murder at all but i will say Aside from those uh, hunting family scenes, uh, this wasn't that hard for me to watch. I I have yeah. a harder time watching like some of the Marvel movies or like A Star Is Born. Like you know, those are <laughs> I have a hard time getting do you through mean, those. Do you mean like just because they're not good or cringe wise, or what are you talking about? Because they're cringy, not good. It's like boring. I feel like I'm wasting my life. Um, yeah, well, I mean, this, no, I, I would not put this movie in those categories at all. Yeah, so I'm just kind of putting it out there that, like, hey, we all have, like, different things that we can't stomach. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if that's, like, <laughs> the most pretentious thing I could ever say, but. No, I mean, it's just, it's more like you're comparing watching children get murdered to how bad a Marvel movie is, <laughs> which is, like, there's no way to compare that, but, I mean, it's kind of funny. Uh, okay, well, here it comes uh yeah 8.0 from you too i thought this movie was so fucking good almost a masterpiece not quite but Mm -hmm. definitely a great fucking movie anything less would be a disservice to some of the i mean sheer work and genius that went into uh both writing and capturing something like this and yeah matt dillon's performance holy fuck oh man so good so fucking the you know how when you like can't you can't put someone in a box as far as like their personality. I don't know if you've met like after a while once you get to know people, you're like, "All right, I can kind of I have you in my mind in a certain spot." But the things that this character would do, you're just like, "You are so unpredictable 
and so fucking weird. And like, here's the, here's the vibe in the room and the, the scenario in the room and the thing that you bring into it, what you say, how you act is so far out of the social norm of that scenario that it's just so fucking weird. Mm-hmm. He did great. He was awesome. Oh yeah. Incredible. Okay. Moving on to our next 2018 disturbing release. We have yeah. the nightingale. And yeah, we both went into this. I mean, pretty much blind this movie. Yeah. Other than I, I watched this first and I told Aiden, Hey, yeah, this movie this is what inspired the the fucked up genre that yeah. we're doing this theme. So yes, this episode was inspired by the Nightingale. It's available on Hulu, and it is set in 1825. So we've got a lot of uh, is that pre-industrialization or like turn of that's like industrialization, colonialism. Yeah, and we're following Claire. Who is our yeah. unfortunate, unfortunate protagonist, I would yeah. describe her as. She's an young Irish convict woman, even though she's only labeled a convict because she's essentially like a slave to the Brits. Mm. And she's in Tasmania because her and her husband, unfortunately, were taken from Ireland. And she's like Irish as fuck. Like they speak Gaelic and whatnot. Yeah. Her and, and, her and Aiden. Yeah. Oh, poor, poor Aiden. <laughs> her basically her life gets uh i would say like put to shambles even though it's all it already by the time they were in Tasmania, yeah so i mean this is shambles. the set i think this because uh, i mean i never knew the history on this but australia was where they sent all the the british um and, and at the time ireland was part of of the uk or part of england they were not, they had, not by choice not by choice but so oh, because nice. England had rule, they took all the the convicts and people arrested and whatever yeah. and just sent them to Australia to help pretty much be indentured servants to the soldiers of uh of of England. Um and and just abused. And but that's I mean that's the the whole folklore behind Australia where they're like, "Well, you're just all of our our criminals and whatever." Right. And so anyway, Claire is okay. Let me let me just let me just kind of describe it this way, and then Aiden, yeah, sorry, you, you I kind of you, no, no, you're good. You you stop me and, and add detail where you see fit. So imagine this: imagine you're you're Claire. You're you're a a very Irish woman, and you're married to your your soulmate Aiden, and Aye. you are considered a convict in the eyes of your oppressor aka the british Mm -hmm. so the british say that because you are a convict you have to come with them to their new colony in tasmania and essentially be a servant for them they're slaves that they're they're worker slaves for them in tasmania and so you're in a new country to put it lightly a very very different country and yeah. you're working as slaves for these oppressors who are also committing genocide on the native people in the land. Yeah, and Aboriginal. as you're serving as a worker for these people, you are uh, regularly regularly raped by the Jeez. general of the area you're in. To, like that's just a lightly. normal thing, and it, it gets to the and your your husband knows that you're getting raped too by this guy, and to the point where 
it happens again. But he's kind of powerless. He like you know because he's also an indentured servant. Yeah, there's nothing you can do about it. And you've already had a baby. The baby is about I don't know. I would say like two to four months old. Yeah. And so the general decides that he's going to rape you again. And your husband finds out, and he's finally had enough, and he's going to go do something about it, as he should, as anybody would. So filled with a strong rage, Irishman, he gets hammered, mm-hmm, yep. and he c- confronts. Yeah, he, yeah, he gets hammered. He's filled with rage, and he wants to confront the guy who's been consistently raping his wife and mother to his firstborn child. In that yep. scene of confrontation, he gets. Uh, I mean, it's like four guys against one he gets beaten his wife is there she watches him get just beat to shreds and then they hold him back the officer rapes his wife again again a second time in front of him the baby is there the baby's crying while the guy's raping and beating his wife he commands his officer to to shut it up shut the baby up the officer then accidentally, and this is this officer is the one who you could tell had like moral uh, apprehension about what yeah. was going on. He was he was not in accordance with anything going on, but he had he was also weak. He was so weak, and so he goes to quiet the baby, and accidentally, what did he do? He kind of he hits it against it. he hits it against the wall, yeah, and and, and kills it. But kills a baby I, in, in front of him. So the the guy is losing it, lun- finally lunges at the guy that r- raped his wife again, and they push him off, shoot him, bullet goes through the neck, dies, and then they, they, they beat Claire. She kind of passes out unconscious and is brutally and permanently traumatized for all of existence. Yeah, it's a... Uh, especially with uh, the lack of of support she's going to get for the rest of her life in that country and no access to therapy slash antidepressants. She's the rest of her life's going to be terrible. She's not going to live long. So I just wanted to get that out of the way because that's, that's all the, within that's the, the first 30 minutes. Yeah. So that's the premise. And then, um, she just goes on a war path and it's like, I'm going to avenge my, my baby and my husband. And I'm going to go find these people and she takes with her a aboriginal tracker named Billy who i mean i don't even know there the the aboriginals are treated lesser than the indentured servants i would say they have a bond cuz they're like cuz the whole movie billy pretty much thinks she's british and she's a terrible person for taking their land and killing people putting them to work you know you know chopping down forests, things like that. And he doesn't even realize that she's not there voluntarily. And she's also kind of a servant. But I would say so that once he finds it out, they bond over that, like, oh, we're both being fucked by the British. But I would say the British treat the Aboriginals way worse. Definitely. I don't know. I mean, I don't they, even they, know if that's supposed to be compared, but. But you, you're right. They treat them worse, but they also know that they're a helpful resource because they're in Tasmania and the Tasmanian mm. re- wilderness is very rugged. So yeah. they need their help to navigate through them. So they, they try to keep the aboriginals alive basically as just like a, a yeah, like I said, a, a resource, but, but you're right. They, they generally were treating the, the white Irish people better, 
but Claire got the I mean treated as brutally as any other human being I've ever yeah she had witnessed she did not have it ideal there yeah fuck mm-hmm. I don't know it's I liked that the director also we should mention this director Jennifer Kent did uh the Baba Duke which mm-hmm. was a, a horror movie that had a huge buzz I think it was like 2014 yeah stylistically um, original yeah and so this was her follow-up to that uh four years later mm-hmm. and she did a bang-up job and it's just brutal she does not shy away from any of the violence any of the rape any of the scenes i think she tells the story how it happened and uh and unfortunately <laughs> there's that's why it's on the fucked up list because you see it all yeah exactly and the thing is the movie opens in um, a really engaging way. There's this uh, grainy texture to help give this old feel. The at least the lens they use is, you know, um, it, it really works and, and fits the time period they went with. And uh-huh. alongside, they use the square aspect ratio. You know, just like in um, the lighthouse, and okay, I really, yeah. really like that. Uh, I, I like the the square look more than yeah. widescreen i don't know why but i really like it um and they still used vibrant colors to depict the jungle she really pulled off some beautiful directing and every single character even random side characters had a uh, true personality and, and meaningful mm-hmm. lines so i yep. was sucked in so deeply so quickly i was like this is exactly what i like in period pieces and yeah then, for people to to get it to get it right, you know, and to, to be genuine about it. She got it so right. And then I was at a loss for words. Those, the the trauma just, just started. And I was like, okay, I can handle a rape scene. Like I've seen a lot of movies that have intense scenes like that. Yeah. And then it kept going. And yeah, the, the rape scene mixed with the baby dying. I was just like, okay, Jesus. It it was the The only other scene that rivaled it was the hills have eyes when like the fucking, nuclear mutants are raping like the mom and then have Mm -hmm. a gun held at the baby's head or something right Um, that that was the but this i don't know this one that one was like so dressed up yes and the production was crazy and like crazy screamo music in the background this one was just very just raw yeah it was raw and it 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 felt it felt too real man it felt way (laughs) way too real and it it shook me i'm not gonna lie like i was saying at the beginning of the pod i definitely thought this was just gonna be a good period piece like a serious period piece like the lighthouse or something so i was like i you know i took a couple edibles that day i was just kind of like having a good sunday and i had to take some space away from it i'm not gonna lie It, it hit me pretty hard i was at a loss for words i had to like go and think i was like damn there's some people out there you know, really get dealt the shit end. And I'm not talking about it. This had nothing to do like in a, a privileged sense or anything like that. Like this person was wronged. Yeah. In the like deepest way possible, man. It was pretty. Fun. Yeah, man. There's some, you know, definitely be a movie that can make you feel grateful a little bit that you, we have it pretty easy compared to fucking to have to go through shit like that. Totally. And like, and she also had no one after Aiden and her kids done. All she had was was Billy. So Billy was played by his name is Bakali Ganambar. I'm sure I'm butchering that. That's um, good. He's Aboriginal from Australia. I believe he was a dancer. 
Um, like that's his profession, but then tried out for this movie and, and got casted and does a great job. I mean, mm-hmm. kills it. So he does did, so well. well. Um, and there was a lot of, I mean, his, like Claire, his character gets fucked over a million times. And so he's kind of like a pessimistic and used to it where she is like, you know, she just recently had this traumatic thing happen to her, but he also can survive in the land and do these things. And so she kind of needs him um, because she's not as independent. Um, She's more like working in the kitchen and in the house where he's kind of out in the land. And this is like where he grew up. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they go, he guides her to follow the men that did this because they decide they're going to go to the main town. Um, I think it's called like Lawston. Launceston, mm-hmm. Launceston, yeah, yeah and like um, so he can be promoted and made into some sort of general, even though he's really fucked up and like not a good person, but that doesn't really matter. Well, that so villain, he... yeah, the general was the villain, and to me, he was the focal point of all the problems. Like, yeah, yeah. colonialism definitely had all of these terrible aspects, yeah. but you can tell that they were uh, emphasized and maybe like accentuated by yeah. this particular personality was extra evil. She clearly wanted, yeah. wanted to, to make a point. Don't you think? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, how many times do we see rape in this movie, like three or four times and uh, at least just, it's not even just maybe five and it's not even just yeah, to, to Claire's character. Yeah, man, it's, they, they showed, I, I mean, for all we know, there could have been people like that. I mean, I mean, I, no, I know, I know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, uh, but uh, she definitely that. lumped, lumped in that she made him as evil as possible yes like like to where like you are not going to be satisfied until you Uh see him die and and you can tell too by when he speaks to the other um officers and when he's like not getting a promotion they're like yeah because you're fucking wild and crazy and you can't even control your own men so clearly he's an exception even within the evilness of the colonial british system so you know, he, he is, this is not like indicative of every single British officer, though he shares uh, characteristics. Yeah. It's, I mean, did happen. yeah, I mean, what's, what's the percentage of, of Aboriginal people in, in Australia? It has to oh be my tiny. God. It's, it's unbelievable. The, the genocide that took place there. Yeah. So three point. 3.3 of total Australian population is indigenous Aboriginal. So that kind of like in the U S like we, I think we kill in the U S not. We, I don't want to, I mean, well, you know, take it how you will. <laughs> the, the, you know, people that came into the U S killed off like 98% of indigenous populations over the, the course of like a couple hundred years. Mostly so due kinda... to disease. So I, I wonder what the, it, how, like comparative it was for disease or like if Australia was different at all. I actually don't know anything about that. Yeah. Well, so that, that was a part of this movie that was really interesting is that I know, I knew nothing about this story. Mm -hmm. I know nothing about the settling of Australia. I know very little about Australia. Um, I honestly didn't even know that the whole, like all these criminals were brought to from England to Australia and that's who became the citizens of Australia. I didn't, I didn't know. I I heard that, but I'd never seen that in a history book. I'd never read about it. So all this was just like 
random thoughts and this this movie is like historically accurate so this is the first time i've ever delved into anything like history of australia wise and so that for in itself was like such a super um what's the word i don't know it was just like very uh not attractive but like i was i was in it because i didn't know anything about it intriguing for sure that's the word yeah yeah, it was it was an environment that we were familiar with, but not educated on, and I I wanted more. Yeah, definitely. Like it, if there were, if she were to do a series about this sort of period, I oh, would watch. She is so good, man. For yeah. like, for her to come out with a movie like The Babadook, that you know a lot of people were like, that wasn't fucking scary. I don't think it was meant to be scary no. in in that way. She did something. Cle- very Clearly, if she wanted to make it scary after watching this movie, she has she, the power she could. to. Yeah, and she took um like five years. You know, she could have easily taken an offer from you know yeah. XYZ Studio. To, Quick cash grab. Yeah, no doubt. But she took years to make the Nightingale, and clearly to get a point across. And I've seen some people say like. Oh, there was just like a bunch of kind of like overly progressive agenda items in here. But listen, if if one percent of this is true, it's still unbelievably fucked up. Yeah, so I don't care I think... which like side of the spectrum you try to like put this movie on. the 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 truth is undeniable. I mean, it ha. Maybe this isn't a specific story. That's true. I don't know. I, c- I couldn't tell you. But she did deep research, but I, I think she the, kind the, of created a composite story. Yeah, but the exactly. So there these things all could have happened happen definitely happened separately. Um maybe some of them in common, but like if I mean just going back to what we know the history of, of the US, rape definitely happened, um murder definitely happened, indentured servitudes, slaves so like all these things happen in Australia too. It's the same the same countries settling them that settled, you know, uh, our country now. So like all these things happened. Um, whether it this actual story happened, probably not. Maybe, I mean, it's it's random, but yeah, man. Uh, I can understand people being like, "Oh, you just want to," especially because from what I've heard, Australian people are pretty fucking racist no offense to our australian viewers or listeners if you're out there but i've heard you guys are not super tolerant um so i could see there being a backlash and like an agenda um but i mean she would do a disservice not to show how fucking graphic it was like to make this movie and then not show the just the level of like violence and and just crazy shit she would get called out for that yeah, the, the one criticism I do see that I, you know, I, I kind of understand is that she she tried to bring some truth out to this period and sh- shed some light on it, and she did she went a very esoteric route. She didn't exactly per, you know uh, appeal to a mass audience by mm-hmm. adding such intense uh, scenes. Yeah. This is inherently only going to be seen by a few, and it doesn't yeah. even matter how like impactful or like uh, important the topic is. The yeah. nature of the way she filmed it and what she chose to to shoot is going to exclude like a massive percentage of of people who would otherwise be like willing to see and, and spread the message. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, 
she got she got her critical acclaim from the Duke. but i mean this this movie also should get her quite a bit of critical acclaim it's it's a good movie i um, i think it i think it was phenomenal i think she did such a good job i mean yeah. how, how many films do we see that like give every character purpose and thought and you know the, yeah the story, come to think about setting, it clever dialogue like yeah billy carol um aiden and then the fucking the three the the three soldiers all and the mm-hmm. and the elder all had a developed kind of almost character arc throughout mm-hmm. the whole thing mm-hmm. which is pretty crazy yeah um and- fucking billy goes ham at the end um i i man i knew he he was gonna end up doing that um to so he he goes and uh kills the the two soldiers that are left um and i knew he was going to but i like didn't want him to because you know you know you know he's gonna end up dying or we don't see what happens in the end it kind of gives us the old apocalypto ending where they see the water and they're like look at that mm-hmm. and then that's it but uh I wanted her to kind of sneak in and do the whole thing, but I don't know. She was pretty fucking far gone. So, yeah, the... I don't know. It's hard to talk about the end. I, I'm trying like not to give it up, but like it's nah, we already fine. said there will be spoilers. I, so I thought that the ending was was very good. The only scene throughout the entire movie that I was uh, like unsure about, as far as like choice wise, direction wise, mm-hmm. was when she sings to the guy to the general to the antagonist she goes in and confronts him in front of all of the other british colonizer generals mm-hmm. and she starts she calls him out oh yeah dude you know what that reminded me of huh can you think of it fucking uh, blind spotting blind spotting where he raps yeah. at the end yeah yeah right exactly because so you you get that band. climax and they deliver it in song in song like yeah there's uh, so many things you could have said yeah, and I think just like in blind spotting, me personally, that doesn't resonate well with me. I don't, I don't really like that kind of in, injecture with song. Did I think like she it? was more, she was more in a tough spot to where, like, no matter what she said, yeah, no one, she's you know an Irish criminal. He's gonna, yeah. he's gonna decredit her. The people aren't really gonna take her side no matter yeah. what. So she was just like, "Fuck it, dude." Yeah, clearly this is, I'm feeling intensely emotional. I'm just going to say this. Right. So, I mean, it's a little less jarring than than blind spotting. Definitely. But, uh, and, and I liked how they had, like, she passed out immediately after she did that when she, she kind of. Yeah, I mean, because she was, like, not sleeping. Uh-huh. The only, so, if that's, I guess we're kind of talking qualms right now. The only qualm I had was when billy gets picked up by the the like evil general and starts leading them and then she's just off on herself just losing it yeah that was it seemed like it dragged and like i agree that was kind of weird and she was like going through this you know she's like hallucinating and not sleeping and not eating uh-huh. and just kind of gives up and i'm just like I, I don't know man i was a little it just seemed like she was so helpless in that scenario and so not independent. And it's like, I don't know. They could have just cut that section out. Like they, I think so, too, because they already described her kind of uh, her being at rock bottom when she's walking with Billy and decides to, like, step off the trail and, like, do this weird, like, suicidal jump off the cliff. Yeah. Um, so that that kind of feeling was already 
given and we didn't need her like hiding behind the trees and shit yeah i think that that was the only part where i would have on the edit probably cut that out but that's fair the fucking scene where where billy finally breaks and just starts crying at the dinner was Mm -hmm. just heart-wrenching and he's like this is our fucking land like we can't put ourselves in that scenario so you can't imagine the fucking pain you're feeling especially when it's that recent yeah, you can't. I guess the only thing that would ever feel similar is like having your house evicted or something like that due to like yeah. unjust circumstances. But man, there's that so scene many... was intense. That, that one so intense. hit me more than the the rape scenes on just like an emotional level. I was like, oh my god, that one because he me... he played like he was the rock. He was like the strong. I'm yeah. gonna lead the way the whole time. And finally, he's just like I can't. That was that was really sad. Like when he cried in the at dinner with the, yeah. that family. Yeah um that one hit me too in like a kind of like i'm sad teary-eyed thing but the, the mm-hmm. rape scenes hit me in like a disturbing in a disturbing like this person is defenseless and the the thing about the rape scenes is that they're very upfront and certain and by certain yeah. i mean that there's there's no last minute escape you know there's no savior this isn't like fucking yeah. uh luke skywalker being like killed by job of the hut where you know he's gonna get saved in a matter of minutes this is yeah you are going to sit down buckle up and watch this happen and the burn is only going to get worse yeah the build-up yeah even in the build-up you're like maybe she'll get out but then you after a while you're like yeah it's not gonna happen uh-huh. and then you just keep watching and then the fucking they they grab the aboriginal woman too and they're just i don't man the like dehumanization of of all the people was insane to me i mean mm-hmm. like i said you know i don't i don't want to say like we or what what um americans did or any of these things but you like to think if you're in that scenario you wouldn't have that like what is it mob mentality where like this is okay when it's like clearly not um but i mean to be fair also some of the the characters are like i'm so sorry before they die so like they know it's wrong i don't know man it was just it's hard to relate to those characters you know what i mean you know that they existed but like it just like that's why it was so you were like they have to die if they don't die and this movie ends i'm gonna be so unsatisfied so i think she she built it up on purpose but there are definitely people like that yeah and i you mentioned a couple things about the ending i actually really really like that ending because yes claire and billy are given trauma that is is never going to to go away there's no amount of like even modern day therapy science like pills you name it that that's mm-hmm. that's there forever but yeah they're looking into their horizon and the sun comes up and that's it that's all that's all you have is is time time is the only thing that will that will move you forward is the, the sun comes up and a new day comes yeah and that's it, that's it pretty much yeah exactly that's, that, all, that's you all, can, all you can all you can count on it's all you have to work with yeah yeah because so it, do we think does Billy die? Because he does um, get shot. Do you think she I mean, does Claire die then? If Billy dies, Claire. I mean, Claire was such a wreck. Man. Yeah, no, she's not. Oh, she's not lasting long goodness. in general. It Horrible it's woman. crazy because she starts out as this badass, not badass, but like after Capable. all all the events happen, she's like, I'm going, and she's so yeah. decided. But once she gets into the thick of Tasmania, she cannot 
do anything for herself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like they go hungry and he's like, we have to fucking eat. And yeah, yeah it's man. a, it's a crazy movie. Um, Jennifer Kent said they shot in the Tasmanian devils or devil in the Tasmanian jungle. Mm-hmm. And uh, so like, if it was too rainy or the, the the bush was too thick, they had to change locations. They she said it was kind of like arduous shot, um, tough movie to film, but uh, wanted to be genuine. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, what would you uh let's let's score it. Where where do you have it? So, I don't know if I'll ever uh, unlike the house that Jack built. I don't know if I'll ever watch this movie again. Like maybe if I'm with somebody who I like know really well and they 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 express that they want to watch this mm-hmm. maybe i'd consider it but one thing i know for sure is i'll never stop talking about it like this movie has yeah. affected me for the rest of my life and in a really positive way too i don't mean it in like i'm disturbed now or something mm-hmm. but now i really do get a sense of that's what i like about film it, it will change your perspective if you if you allow it to and i think it was that exceptional of a of a piece of art but that said mm-hmm. i don't know how to how to rate it uh i do know it's a great fucking movie so it's yeah it's definitely an sure. eight. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll leave it at an eight is it an eight five i don't even fucking know man <laughs> i really don't i would to be honest i would have to watch it again to know whether yeah. it's an eight five yeah, right okay that's that's that. fair and, and maybe I, I watching it again would be easier because i'll already know uh, what's coming when it's coming and how it's going to affect me and how it affected me the first time so maybe yeah. watching it again like you said would actually be you um, get a more critical view yeah a more critical view because on on first watch it was like nothing i've ever seen so yeah. for that reason i'm gonna give it an eight so that's the thing was, i've given the other two movies an eight and for that sole fact i don't want to give this movie an eight but i mean i think it's just appropriate that's yeah that's, well you yeah you gotta i can't grade, get grade it. these ind- independently I can't give it anything higher just because I don't know. It just, it didn't for me. It, it was, it's a great fucking movie, but you know, I don't know if I would put it higher than an eight at all, but it's definitely not less than an eight. So I know that that's kind of the, the judgment. I'm trying to think of what I would, I don't know what would, what would knock it into an eight five. That's why I think I'd have to watch it again, but it's Mm -hmm. a solid, great fucking movie. It's an eight. Once again, it, there's like you said when you watch it there should be a trigger warning on it this is not something you suggest to everyone mm-hmm. it's pretty brutal um but you're right i'm not gonna i'm not gonna think about australia the same ever <laughs> like because i i never thought about oh how did australia get settled mm-hmm. you know i just kind of since it's not in our history i just kind of thought it was i didn't think it was always that way but i just never really gave it any thought so like knowing this history it like so it's just such an original new perspective that I wouldn't have known anything about. Um, so for that, I really enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, flat 8.0 for me. All right. Well, that does it for this episode. If you would like us to cover the Nightingale again, revisit it. Maybe you watched it and then watch this uh, episode and you want to hear further thoughts, send us an email or mes- message us on IG. Email address is cinelinguist at gmail.com. That's C I N E L I N G U I S T S at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. I mean, if you watch this movie, I'd, I'd love to hear listeners' thoughts because, you know, I I don't know anybody else who has seen this movie, Aiden. And if I, if I do meet somebody, me I mean, that's going to be a surprise. Yeah, this will be. A- 
This is you run to someone at a bar that's seen this movie. That's you're talking about it for the next hour. Oh, without a doubt. All right. Until next time, everybody.